Welcome to We Got Balls, real, raw, masculine sex talk with Chris Inman and Scott Cohn. Chris and Scott both work with men who want to leave their unwanted sexual struggles in the past. They are willing to do whatever it takes to help men get curious about what drives their compulsive sexual behavior. With that said, here we go. Well, hey guys, welcome back to We Got Balls. And Scott, I don't know about you, but I'm a big uh, a fan of dessert. What's your favorite dessert? Um, I like tres leches because it's creamy. Um, what's what's yeah. your favorite dessert? I love pies, man. I'm a big pie fan. What kind I love of pie? Digging. Well, I, I like chocolate pies, uh-huh. but I've also learned to become a, a fan of cream pies. Oh, I don't really? know about that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've ever had cream pie before, but it's smooth and silky with a little bit of froth on top, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. very satisfying. I mean, absolutely. It makes you feel like you get the job done every single time. Are we talking about desserts still? Maybe. Um, so that's, that's the idea is we're talking about cream pies. We're talking about ejaculating into a human being, into a hole, whether that's uh, vaginal or anal, to have this experience of insemination and impregnation and, and really fulfilling the act. You know, um, guys talk about, I got it in. Well, when you have a, a orgasm inside another human being, you really get it in. And you really feel like you're satisfied. In fact, that's kind of like the holy grail of the sexual experience. Uh, you know, guys that wear condoms because they're trying to protect themselves from unsafe sex or guys that are not in committed relationships or guys that, you know, have different circumstances are longing to have that experience of just being able to finish the orgasm inside another person. And so that's a really, really big draw in the invitation of the sexual experience and the arousal template. So, Scott, what's the what does the Pornhub data say on cream pies? How popular is it? Chris, this is a fascinatingly popular subject. (laughs) And so put my glasses on so I can read these. So in Pornhub's annual review, um, the 16th most searched for search term on Pornhub is, in fact, cream pie worldwide. Okay. But in the United States, it's the 10th most searched for term. Top 10, baby. Yeah. And it's the in the United States, it's the 18th highest viewed category out of the top 20 categories of pornography. So this is a popular category. Um, And and my question to you is, I think you have an idea of that. Why is uh, why is it much higher ranked in terms of search in the U.S. versus the rest of the world? Well, dude, you're burying the lead is, is what's going on is, is that the United States is obsessed with its own existence. And we are all about fertility um, because cream pies and impregnation fantasies are all about a legacy question. What comes for me next? And when you think culturally around the world, who is most concerned with perpetuating our usness? you know, what it means to be us. We, we, we Americans are pretty obsessed. We do love to think about, you know, the next generation and, and carrying on uh, our tradition and values. And, and many cultures do, but I think especially since we have the, um, the, uh, the lead when it comes to pornographic production, I mean, we are the porn culture. Uh, there's been pornography throughout culture, throughout history, but when it comes to video porn especially, and that is what's really a, a novel idea. This cream pie concept 
uh, was really not a thing until you had video because it, it's that experience. And if you check it out online, I don't recommend you do so. But if you have seen it, you know how this works. There's the sexual experience. There is the orgasm, the completion, the moans, the satisfaction. And then they do a close up shot of whatever orifice, whether it's, um, you know, anal or vaginal. And it shows the semen slowly leaking out. And it's this feeling of, yes, we did it. We completed the process. And the only thing that it would lead to, Scott, is maybe there's going to be a baby out of this. And there are literal uh, types of porn that are about impregnating women. Um, there's forums and there's types of pornography that is there that's a woman wants to get pregnant. She needs a man to inseminate her. So culturally, this lines straight up with America, baby. You know, USA, USA, right? I mean, that's what that's what it's all about. We want to continue to perpetuate us. So now you're taking me back to our two-part boner uh, podcast because this seems to be like the you know, it's the dessert for the main course, right? Yes. So intercourse yes. is that's why it's called cream pie. That's it. But the symbolism here is you, you cannot get away from it. Like no. that that seed, which the <laughs> biblically semen is called seed, right? Yes. This is the future. You're yes. looking at the future, you're looking at productivity, you're looking at creativity, and the the symbolism of that, in spite of how we've tried to divorce sex from procreation. We can't get away from it ourselves, even yeah. in the porn industry, who could care less about breeding babies other than for the genre of porn you're talking about. Most of the time, it's about the money. They call it the money shot. Money shot. Yeah. Right. Where the guy ejaculates. But now it's kind of morphed into this. And there's something that's being spoken of here that's deeply symbolic about the fact that we cannot get away from the fact that we create life by having sex and ejaculating. and. We, we just can't get away from that dimension of our own reality right. as much as we want to divorce them. Right. Well, and, and I would even take it up to an, another level is that we live in a here and now and um, immediate satisfaction society. That's the Western culture as of 2023, when this is being recorded, but without procreation, without insemination, there's nothing that comes and that lasts past our lifetimes. And so as human beings, we're hardwired both in the biology and in, I would even say the spirituality, the greater purpose of our lives to, to, to make this a reality. And so this is a very deep arousal template. It's not just like, you know, something, oh, I like the way it looks. There is meaning after meaning after meaning after meaning to this idea of placing seed inside a woman to create an embryo, which will create a baby, which will create a legacy for us. Now, there's a whole host of stuff and there's even jokes on social media. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll give a personal story about this. When uh, my wife and I had just gotten married, she was on birth control. And, you know, long story short, she took some antibiotics and knocked the birth control out. And she comes to me and she says, after being married for uh, about nine months, I'm pregnant. And I was like, you're what? 
<laughs> I mean, I didn't think a thing about it when we were having sex, right? I didn't think a thing about it because that's just what you do. But now I realize, oh, my life has changed. There is now going to be another human being. I'm 20, at the time, 22 years old. There'll be another human being that will always be dependent upon me, calling me dad. So now, do I love that now? Am I very grateful for it now? But did it scare the shit out of me then? Yes, it did. I was silent. I, You know me. I was silent for 24 hours after she told me that. Like I went into mourning because my cream pie had resulted in this fearful, fr frightful experience that I was like, oh my God, what happened? But yet I think what we run into is we're running into the reality of what sexuality is all about. It always means something more than what we think it does in the moment. So you got personal. I'm going to get personal now because you reminded me of something. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't say we're vulnerable as shit on this podcast, guys. So if you get scared about vulnerability, walk away because you're going to keep getting more. So this was several years ago. I had gotten the kids a microscope for Christmas. Yeah. And I got really curious one day and I'm like, I'm going to masturbate and see what my sperm look like. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and I did. And I took some of the semen and I put it on a slide and I put it under the microscope. And it was almost like I had an out-of-body experience because wow. when I looked at that, I realized that I had this incredible power mm. in my body and those sperm had produced my children. Yep. Well, you know, six of them. And it was, it was really supernatural, just kind of looking at the ability that I had to produce life. And there, there it was, I could see the, the sperm wiggling on, on the slide. Yeah. And so I just think there is this incredible symbolic, almost supernatural spiritual aspect to ejaculation that draws us to it. We find it to be sexually arousing. Why? Because it, it matches those, um, you know, we talk about those dimensions all the time mm -hmm. and our arousal template is visual, cued, sexual interest. So yep. semen ejaculation is a visual, cued, sexual interest. It's exciting. That's why there's a money shot or that's why there's those semen shots in almost every piece of porn made because right. everybody, mainly guys, find that to be arousing. They find it to be the climax, so to speak, of the piece. But well, Scott, the question and, and, is and why? Think, why? Well, and I think it's important if you if you do a little research on this type of pornography, the visual that's shown is typically a fully erect penis pulsating into a vagina. And that is like, you know, and it's the, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to get triggering for anybody, but that's, that's typically what is shown. And so you're talking about the power of humanity. You've got the beauty of a woman who produces one egg every month and she could, she may or may not be fertile, but she's there and she's voluptuous and she's inviting and she's inclusive and she's welcoming in this powerful representation of masculinity, this erect penis that is now releasing millions of those sperm. That's how much we produce guys. That's the power of the ma the male body to produce millions of sperm at a time to create something brand new that frankly 
nobody really knows how it happens. I mean, we can talk about the biology of it, but it's still very mysterious that a, that a, an individuated person comes out of this union between man and woman in this dramatically arousing sexual experience. I mean, this is the, this is why fertility cults existed throughout history. Yeah. Have you seen that uh, video of when the sperm actually penetrates the egg and they've actually discovered there's a flash of light? Yeah. When that happens. So it's almost reminiscent of Genesis one, let there be light. Yep. But also uh, John chapter one, where in him was life and the life was the light of men. But once that first, once that first sperm penetrates, you know what else happens? It shuts it off. Darkness everywhere around. And so you've got, you've got this contrast of, Hey, and that's, that's the tension in the the stories that we carry is that there's goodness and that, and that there's harm. So um, we can talk about philosophically what this means. Scott, when, when somebody is, is really making this a big priority in their arousal template, what are the things that they should be looking for psychologically? Yeah. So, um, I would, and I'm just going to kind of be general here, but I hear a lot um, from guys. So I'll talk about the same sex issue, the same sure. sex attraction issue. Um, I'll hear a lot of guys say that um, they're they're very aroused by the idea of performing oral sex on another guy and having that guy ejaculate on their face. So we kind of talked yeah. about this in our blowjob episode, but what is that all about? It's about the fact that I need to be in a subservient position to another guy receiving his seed on my face to feel like I'm whole that that, that's doing something for me. That's very arousing. And so then my question is going to be, tell me about your relationship with your dad. Tell me about your experiences Mm -hmm. with other guys. Were you sexually abused? How were you sexually abused? Because so often there's a reenactment of some past wound that's going on in that. So if this is becoming a really, now that's same sex attraction, but the same thing could be said for um, opposite sex yes. attraction. So we talked about yes. Joseph. So one of one of the guys that uh, shared, came on our podcast and shared his story was told how he was sexually abused by a babysitter by being forced to perform oral sex on her. So you could mm-hmm. see that if, if that's part of your arousal template, if you were, you know, having um, a sexual experience with somebody and were forced to um, engage in, you know, pulling out or performing oral sex after you had uh, ejaculated, you could see how that would be a part of the the arousal Mm -hmm. template as well. So I would go back and I would just be curious about what are my formative sexual experiences? What are my, you know, family dynamic relationships? And how is that relating to what this is so arousing about? You know, we talk... I, I, I think let's let's hit that father wound piece a little harder because I think whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, I think there there really is something very very deep and real about this this particular fantasy because um, whether you're trying to reimagine or re-experience a masculine experience or you're you're trying to initiate that in and of yourself. I mean, you think of what is the whole purpose of of sex you know, yes, it's pleasurable, but it's ultimately procreative. It's about creating the next generation. So when you create the next generation, who do you become? You become the father, you become the father. Yeah. And so 
there's a bit of, I get to take this harm in, in, in my own hands, whether I'm aware of it or not, guys. I mean, the reality is nobody's thinking about being a father when you're having an orgasm. I mean, nobody's like, yeah, I get to be a dad. Yeah. I'm so excited. No, never, never happening. But subconsciously your body, your heart is thinking about the things of, okay, I want to do this better than it was done to me. The fathering piece. I want, I want to be the, the father that I did not receive. And so that can be very arousing. It's when we talk about transformative sexual arousal, this is a this is a prototypical example of that. Is I get to totally change the dynamic in which I experience this in my life. Now I get to because, uh, and I, I, I know a, a guy that's I don't know if his struggle sexually, but he became a very young father, twenty years old. He loves his son more than anything in the world because he didn't have a dad. His dad and mom passed away when he was young. He was raised by an aunt. And so this is, a, this is a place of deep meaning and purpose. I think that can translate over into a sexual arousal piece. Well, I think, that, I think you're making a really fantastic point there, and that is that there is deep meaning behind the things that we find to be deeply arousing. Yes. Why is that? Because there's deep meaning. We yes. know there's significance here. And there's nothing more significant than ejaculating because there isn't, you can bring pleasure to another person with your penis. You can mm-hmm. receive comfort by engaging mm-hmm. with your penis with mm-hmm. another person. But the only way you're going to create and be productive is if you ejaculate. The only way to create new life is if you do that. And the, the power you know, you were talking about how, how you realized you, you got your wife pregnant. Like the same thing for me is as a young guy, I was 22 when, when uh, my wife got pregnant with what we turned out to have our first set of twins. Mm. But there was this um, existential sense of how powerful my sexuality was at that mm. point, where before it was just kind of a play thing. And now I'm realizing, man, I can create people with my mm. body and mm. what comes out of it. And that's amazing. And I, I know this sounds weird, but I'll walk around a mall or I'll be in a public place, like a football game or something. I'll look at all the people and I'll think everybody's here because some guy had an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody. And I will say this, hopefully so, but generally so some woman invited that orgasm. Yeah. And it, it, it really is, um, it really is that spiritual dimension of our sexuality that I think we can't get away from is that sense in which we can create new life. So new let's, human put, life. let's put a pin on that one and, and amplify that for our audience. When we're talking about the spiritual, we're talking about two things. We're talking about who are you? That's that, you know, talking about the father role. When you, ejaculate inside somebody else, or you fantasize about that, you're imagining yourself as becoming a father, potentially becoming someone who is a caregiver, is a provider, is a legacy builder for the next generation. And that totally changes. You know, many, many people say that a man doesn't become a man until he holds his first child in his arms. You know, women get to carry children in their bellies and feel the physicality of that. But, but the slowest I've ever driven in my life was coming home from the hospital with my oldest son. Mm-hmm. 
because I was like, this is, this stuff is real. Like it is, I've got all these responsibilities. So it's who am I? But the second piece of spirituality is what am I meant for? And I, I see this time and time again with guys uh, who regrettably, for whatever reason, were not able to have kids. Many of them wanted them. Many, many of them chose life uh, paths that didn't, didn't allow them to have kids. And they, and they get older and older and realize that they've missed something in their life. Now, I want to be very compassionate. There are people who can't have kids, who adopt, who invest themselves in other people and become fathers vicariously. But that legacy, that what am I leaving behind, can only truly be fulfilled in passing on who you are to someone else. And the most organic and natural way that happens is by having your own children. Yeah, let me let me just address kind of the underlying um, factor that I've seen there for guys that cannot have children. I have I have a very good friend who um, got a vasectomy because his wife didn't want to have children, and then she divorced him. Mm. And he confessed to me that he felt an extreme amount of shame about mm. having the vasectomy because he wants to be married again. And he's going to have to have it reversed. And there's a chance that it, you know, it, there's good chances that you can reverse vasectomies, but there's a chance that it couldn't be. And he just had so much shame about the fact that he couldn't bring a child into the world. And people yeah. that had struggle with infertility, I think, do struggle with shame about that. So yes. there's the other side of shame here where you may be ashamed of what is sexually arousing to you, but you also may be ashamed at the fact that your your sexual arousal doesn't end up producing what you really are hoping for deeply. And that's another human being. And I'd be very curious if some guys don't have reversal fantasies about this exact thing because of the shame of infertility. Yeah. Yeah. So we just, we want to invite you if you're struggling with that to have some kindness and compassion, be able to share that with, you know, trusted friends who, you know, are not going to make fun of you or scold you or, you know, shame you further, but to, to bring those things where what we're hopefully modeling for any guy here is that any aspect of your sexual arousal template or any aspect of what you struggle with sexually, you can find a great deg degree of freedom by talking about it openly with safe other people and mm -hmm. realizing you're not alone. You're not the only one. I mean, obviously, when it comes to cream pies, this is something where a guy could feel a lot of shame about, yeah. you know, I'm really turned on by the sight of ejaculation. Um, but in reality, you're like a lot of other people. And so the question to ask yourself is, when did that come into my life? When did that start to be such an arousing thing? And what's the possible meaning of that based on those factors of when it did come into my life? And, you know, so much we find is the relationship with our mom and dad the sexual experiences that we have had either wanted or unwanted that create a lot of shame around these particular aspects. Yeah. And Scott, I want to amplify something that just came to mind. Even writing the stories and, and understanding the why is not going to heal your heart. Um, I, I think a lot of guys, when we talk about getting to the root cause, they want to fix it. They think it's a diagnosis that needs to be handed down. And if I'm aware of why, then I'm going to be able to stop the, the unwanted what. Yeah, yeah. And, and unfortunately, um, at, and I think in this particular discussion, it's especially appropriate, is that we don't always understand fully. 
we, we, we can't go back and repair what was done to us when we were young. We are molded as we are. And many of us will carry many of these dynamics through our life. But, but, and I said this earlier, it doesn't mean that we have to stay stuck in self-sabotaging, shameful, and catastrophic behaviors. So the curiosity that we're inviting about this is to do the work, the human work of learning how to be compassionate to yourself through the eyes of attuned, safe human beings. And I'll also say, just to add on to that, that when you start to engage your sexual story, it's like peeling back the layers of an onion. Mm. There are some layers of that onion that you're not ready for yet. And you've got to peel the surface layers back. And it's a process that probably goes on throughout your life. In fact, I went to a men's recovery uh, weekend this spring put on by the Allender Center. And Dan Allender was talking about, and he's been doing this for 25 years, how he just engaged a part of his story of harm uh, in the last couple of months. And Mm. to make the point that we're, we're never really quite done working on understanding our stories. And I just want to invite everybody to kindness in that process as well. It's not a once and done thing. Yeah. It's a process. And, and patience and patience and patience. Yeah. And, it, and you have to have other men in your life or other people in your life who can hear your stories and help you see the things that you can't see. And so that's, again, what we try to model in the podcast is this curiosity about what is sexually arousing to us and being able to have those open, curious, sometimes humorous conversations about what turns us on without feeling shame, without allowing shame to kind of control the conversation, which it does. You're still going to feel shame. But when you can be with a safe other person, it minimizes the the impact that shame has to make you flee into self-contempt and to other dissociated behaviors, and you don't end up self-sabotaging. So, Well, Scott, and I, I would say that shame does diminish over time. It does not, it loses its power as you're vulnerable, as you're seen, as you're loved, as you tell your story and as you heal, I'll speak for myself. I have seen a a great reduction in my experience of shame. Now it doesn't go away permanently because I'm human. Right. That's, so that's a better way of saying what I said. Yeah. 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 So I just want to clarify that. Yeah, I'm aware that shame's over here. It's not dominating me and I don't feel the impact of it, but I'm going to do something stupid tomorrow that I'm going to feel shame about. Yeah. <laughs> so. But I'm grateful that I get to walk with you and be like, I love you, Scott. It's all right, man. It's all good. Thank you. you know, and over time, and, and, and if you want to know where the change, the behavioral change begins to happen, it's on the back end of that work. The, if you try to do the behavioral change up front, you just constipate the process. I need to be curious about the shameful pieces in my life that are causing me to create chaos, that are causing me to disconnect and disassociate from the people and, in my life and myself. And it's this idea of loving the broken pieces and having other people like you be in my own life and walk with me in that brokenness that I can begin to believe that I am lovable. I didn't feel like that when I was younger, whether through my parents or through my, uh, you know, negative childhood experiences, many of them sexual. 
So guys, when we're, when we're talking about this issue, we just want to invite you to do the deep dive. I mean, you may think like, well, this one took a really serious turn. They all take a serious turn. If you listen to the podcast, <laughs> we have a formula. You, you show up for about two minutes of ha ha, you know, locker room jokes. And then, cause that's who we are. We want you guys to go to the deep places and to sit in the shit, sit in the muck, but learn to, at the same time, receive the love that you've always longed for. So guys, um, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Be listening to upcoming episodes. And we always want to remind you to engage your sexual story with kindness and care, just like we do here on We Got Balls. And so do you. Take care. Bye. Don't forget to subscribe for more episodes. You can connect with Chris at PornFreeMasculinity.com and with Scott at SuccessfulMen.com.